the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. One of the things I like to talk about are the things that are in your life. And one of the most expensive things in your life is your home. Mortgages, I think, are an amazing tool, an amazing tool to create wealth. Now, I'm not one of those, I'm not going to say the word shyster because it's, it's a heavy term, but I don't like the people who are like, is that real estate's the best investment you'd ever make? Maybe you're even wondering. And like, I, I'm not going to push real estate. I'm going to say real estate's lovely over time and a mortgage lets you do that over time. The mortgage is the powerful part of that tool. You're creating a great, rich, big, fat amount of money that you give to the guy who owned the house before you, and you say, move out. Get out of that house. I want to live there. So he leaves, and he takes your money. He probably goes to Florida or Arizona. I like mortgages, and one of the things that has come, I want to say out of 9-11, but it's way before that, is back in the 70s. We had mortgages that were 14, 15, 16% in America and higher. I didn't like mortgages then. I was too young to even know what a mortgage was then. But I've studied a little bit of history. So mortgages offer you liquidity. Ever met someone who was house rich but cash poor? And they have that crazy amount of pride that the house they bought decades ago is fully paid for and appreciated in value. But if they're now retired and living on limited income, the fact that they have no mortgage is of little consolation. To me, still got to pay property taxes, maintenance and repairs. The New York Times did an amazing piece where they compared investing in the stock market versus investing in a house. And they looked at a 30-year period. If you bought a house in New York City, in Los Angeles and Chicago, three markets that you know have gone through the roof, just unbelievable appreciation in home values. They studied it for 30 years if you'd put that same amount of money in the stock market. See, the stock market, if you put it, if you buy a stock and hold it, or you buy the S&P 500 and you hold it, you don't have to pay taxes on it until you sell it. Maybe if it's in a regular account, you'll pay some income taxes on the dividends. But you don't have to do maintenance. You don't have to do repairs. You don't have to pay for electricity. You don't have to pay for property taxes. So the house isn't really an investment. It's a liability. But I still like that big, fat 30-year mortgage. And it allows you to access capital that's incredibly cheap. Mortgages offer cheap money, the ability to borrow at today's historical low interest rates. And they've been historically low, essentially, for 20 years. I want to go back to 9-11 and say that's been, like, ever since then, we've gone to, like, crazy lows. Remember the TV commercials growing up? I'm crazy, Eddie. I'm giving away a TV. I'm practically giving away this TV. This is crazy cheap money. I would like to caution you, though, that you can't be foolish about it because mortgages are a tool. And one of my very uh, 
the overwhelming lessons that I learned was kind of sad. I was a fan of the show. Uh, beautiful woman, young woman, who wanted to worry about money because she wanted to retire and have a family. And she had goals, and she understood that they had to be funded. But for her, her father bought a house in Fremont years and years and years and years and years ago. And 10 years ago, he started to take, he took money out and he bought another house because you, you could sell a house without selling it by getting a home equity line of credit. It's kind of cool. He did that once, put us in some renters, did it a second time, put in renters, put it in the third time, put in renters. And then the stock market flubbed in 2006, 2008. We created what's called the Great Recession. His renters went kapoof. Maybe he wasn't buying the best houses. Maybe he wasn't getting Facebook employees in them, you know? I don't know. But he lost the third house, lost the second house, and he lost the house he lived in. His whole life savings gone because he got bitten by that real estate is an investment BS. Then he picked up a second job. So United Airlines employee, mechanic, and picked up a second job like uh, washing carpets or something like that. I'm not quite sure the details, but it was something a little bit more physical, manual. Although I guess fixing airplanes is kind of physical manual too, right? So anyway, long story short, he croaks. He, he, he dies. Has a heart attack. No houses. His family's renting. So his daughter has a sister, and she's disabled. And the mom was kind of obese, and she's had a couple strokes. So... This young woman who should be living her life, figuring out how to find a husband and what a good husband looks like and figuring out you know, how to enjoy the life, work balance, and see the world, she suddenly got a deck of cards where she has to support her mother physically. That's a bad hand. I know you're saying, My mother brought her on the planet. Mother gave her life. She should give back some. I don't want to do that to my kids. I don't ever, never want to be a burden on them. Um, I don't want them to make tough decisions. I had to make a, me and my brothers had to make, my brother and sister had to make a very tough decision about my mother a couple years ago about taking her out of her home. She never wanted to sell the home, but she had a couple strokes and she couldn't live there anymore. And we didn't really want to be 24, seven, three, six, five caregivers. We hired people. And of course, you know, they would work out for a while. And then my mother would find reasons not to like them. She would stop taking her medications. So you could kind of see where mortgages can become problems. That's one of the reasons why you get term life insurance. If you have a mortgage, you owe money on that for the next 30 years. You should set it up in some way, shape, or form that if you die, that mortgage gets covered. Term life is pretty cheap because mathematically, you're going to live till 78 years old. So you get it till you're 65 and the insurance company wins. When you're 65, hopefully you have enough assets from investing and working from age 20 to 65 that you could live off those for the rest of your life with Social Security. But until then, you still have to go to work to pay for the mortgage. That's why you buy term life. Term life, there's there, there, much smarter people than me will tell you how much you get. I've got essentially $4 million. It's not too expensive. Um, it's cheap, and I hope I never have to use it. But if I do, it'll cover my loved ones so that they could mourn, and they don't have to, how shall we say, uh, go to work too early. Like, I don't want my son going to work and like, oh, dad's dead, so I got to help with the mortgage. I don't want that. I want him to be a kid. I want him to be a young man. When he's 20 and I'm long dead, I, I don't want him like, oh, 
I can't go to Europe because my dad's dead. I got to get a job. So it's interesting how some of these financial products work together. A mortgage is a great tool, but you also got to almost, almost have to get term life with it. If you get me 10 times your income should do, should be a good start for how much term life you need. But if you have a special needs kid, maybe it's more. There is no right answer. I wish there was. And I would tell it to you. I'm giving you the theories. If you practice, you're going to have a good life. I'm giving you the theories that if, if you use them reasonably, you're not going to get into trouble. There was a lot in that segment. I hope you got something out of it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I like mortgages, and there's a lot of reasons why I like mortgages. Notice that I say that I don't necessarily say that I like houses. A lot of people misunderstand mortgages. And when I was growing up, the American dream was to have a house, but the American dream was to have it paid for in 30 years. They used to send you mortgage books. Another thing that's gone away, sadly, it was a coupon book that covered 30 years, 12 payments times 30 years. It was pretty kind of big. I remember, you know, my mother did a lot of the checkbook and uh, I remember seeing her write checks for the mortgage and ripping out the check and put it in the mail. That was one last coupon. Your mortgage doesn't affect your home's value. There's no reason to pay it off. It's low-cost money. It's probably the lowest-cost money that you're ever going to get in your life. If you want to get a loan through Rob Black, I'm going to charge you 20%. And I'm going to take one of your, your I'm going to come at you and take all your teeth if you don't pay me back kind of thing, right? You get a mortgage for whew, three and a quarter, three and seven, five. 3.75% is crazy. Good, cheap. It doesn't affect your home value, and yet people think that it does. And in fact, when you put when you prepay your mortgage, it's just a big piggy bank doing nothing. So let's say you live in a six hundred thousand dollar home, and you get a six hundred thousand dollar mortgage. You pay off that six hundred thousand. It's not going to earn extra money for you. The home will go up or down in value with or without that money being paid off. But you put six hundred thousand dollars in a bank, you might get what one percent, two percent. You put that six hundred thousand dollars in the stock market. You're going to get 8 to 10% on average each year for the next 30 years. I'm not suggesting that you take your mortgage money and put it in the stock market. I'm not suggesting that at all. Because I think that would create a situational risk, an event risk for you. But your home's going to go up and down in value with or without you. So when you have it paid off, it, it doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't earn money for you. I've got $100,000 in an S&P 500 fund, let's say. It might be yielding 2.5%. So in that $100,000, how much money am I making a year? 2.5%. So I get that little chunk of change, right? And that little chunk of change next year, if it stays in the S&P 500, earns 2.5% in income, and it goes up 8% in value. Woo! Holy mackerel, now we're talking. My little money, my little dividend that I made for that that first year is now growing and making money. But if it's in the house, it just sits there. So I grew up in an era where you would... I want to say burn bras. That's the thought that comes to my head, but that's the Vietnam War thing. But no free love thing, right? Um, but at the end of your 30 years on your mortgage, you had a party. You, your last ticket that you sold, you sent in, your last coupon, it was like time to, to like love it. So I'm not a big fan of paying off a mortgage. 
additional equity from increase in home value, additional equity from paying off the mortgage. Yes, you save interest, but you lose the ability to earn money. I'm not a fan of uh, biannual mortgages, of, of sending in an extra mortgage payment every two weeks. Nah. I'd rather you put that money in the S&P 500. But again, that brings on risk, and that brings on event risk. So you got to control a broker advisor for taking any action on anything I ever mentioned. A mortgage is cheap money. That's probably my number one love affair that I have with mortgages. If I go out and get a car loan, it's going to be more expensive than my mortgage. Unless I've got super great credit, and unless that car company's struggling. So when the 10-year treasury is rock bottom, you could probably get a car loan pretty similar to what you get a mortgage loan on. But it's not as efficient. Your mortgage interest used to be completely tax deductible. Now there's new laws, you know, Qualified resident up to seven hundred fifty thousand is tax deductible if you itemize your deductions. The deduction is sticking out of your top tax bracket, so you get a situation where it's positive. But Trump's tax situations really punished expensive homes in America, of which I live in an expensive area. But for the rest of Americans who can deduct that mortgage interest, that's amazing. But most people aren't even deducting anymore because they're just they upped. Uh, they changed the tax law so that you didn't want to itemize as much as you used to. Mortgage payments get easier over time. That's another thing I like about mortgages. When I got my first house, I had two mortgages. My first house had a, a first and a second. I couldn't afford a down payment, so the bank said, we'll just give you another second mortgage. The second mortgage was like 10%, and the first mortgage was like 7 So the first mortgage was probably like $150,000, and the second mortgage was like 30000 but the second one had a higher interest rate on it. I know you're saying you bought a house for two hundred thousand, roughly, yeah. Had I stayed in that house, that eight hundred sixteen dollar payment would be like nothing but a thing. But I didn't stay in the house. I ultimately sold it and used that equity to buy another home. But the point is, is when you buy your first home, that that payment hurts because you're, you know, Tony Mendez at Bayer Loan Source. He's he's doing everything he can to get you funded, and you want as much money as you can get because that's how we work as a nation. We tend to overbuy everything. So we overbuy our first home, and it's a struggle. And like, I know people that don't even furnish their home in the first year because so much money is going to that mortgage. But year two, they get a little bit of a raise. Year three, they get a little bit of a raise. And suddenly, that it's the same static payment. It doesn't readjust. Now, it can readjust if you use adjustable rate mortgages, but I don't use adjustable rate mortgages more often than not. If I wanted to buy a vacation home for the next seven years, until my kid finishes high school or something like that, I would consider a seven-year arm. But then you get kind of nervous because after seven years, you have to pay everything. Uh, so you get a tinier payment. You have to pay it all back. So anyway, I like mortgages, and I, I, they're a powerful tool. Uh, they're the paintbrush of a good artist, a uh, financial artist. So don't overuse them. Don't abuse them. Don't get in over your head. If you lose your job, a mortgage is a liability. If you don't lose your job, it's an asset. But there you go. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Thanks for listening to the show. I promise if you listen, I'm going to do my best to get you some wise thoughts put together. And put it together a lot of master classes kind of things that you give to your kids and say, hey, I know you don't want to talk money with your dad, so listen to Rob talk money. I'm going to get Chad in on it and a couple other people. Um, that's a project that I'm working on. Long story short, I'm here to help. 
And one of the areas that I want to just address with you is buying a home. You don't have to do it. You do have to save for retirement. In my opinion, you could always live with your aunt. You could always live in a box. You could always live in a tree. You could always move to another country um, in retirement. That's tricky, though. So be careful on that one. Uh, we'll talk about that on another show for sure. But before you buy a home, just know it's a big financial commitment and it ties you down. You have to ask yourself 10 easy questions. Are you sure you want to buy a home? That's the first one. It's a simple one, but it's the first one. Next, do you anticipate any large expenses in the next two years, three years, like needing a new car? Or maybe you got really rotten, janky teeth and you need some caps put in and those things aren't cheap. Veneers. Woo! Those will bankrupt you. If you're going to buy something big in the next couple of years, like a car, that may be a negative. And that may tell you, you know, you got a lot of finances coming that are going to start to stress you out and you don't need to add a home on top of it. Next, do you expect to stay in your current job for at least three years, probably five years to answer it correctly? And do you see how these are all working? You're supposed to be answering yes to these. Do you expect your job to stay in the same location for the next five years? So let's say you work at Uber and it's a, a company that moves people around. They want their sales teams in New York. Now we want our sales teams in San Francisco. Now we want our sales teams in London. And you're, you don't need to buy a house. You know, you could, but then you're going to get in a situation of renting it out. And that ain't fun. Your next question. Do you expect your job to stay in the same location? Um, again, that's tied towards the whole moving thing. I kind of hit that. So let's go on to number five. Number five. Do you know how much you could risk realistically pay for housing? Like, do you know, I'm always a little bit surprised. For instance, got a vacation home. I live in probably the most dreadful place in the Bay on the peninsula. It's lovely. It's got a lot of tech jobs. It's great on so many levels, but it's really, really crowded. So I like going to the mountains. And then you kind of forget, like, the mountains need a couch, and the mountains need a bed, and the mountains need bedding and the mountains need like it's a little bit more than i wanted to spend do you have a good credit record if you don't don't buy a house you're i'm gonna get 3.5 percent on a mortgage and you're gonna get like six percent it's the same building over my, our heads right and yet you're paying way more than me that's one of the reasons i think parents shouldn't let their kids get credit cards unless they're secured credit cards at least until they're out of the house maybe even longer I plan to not let my kids mess up their credit. I know you're saying, well, you're not teaching them life lessons. I would rather, I, I always say this, you could batter your kids, but just don't fry them. I would rather batter my children like pancake batter than let them have bad credit. I know you're saying, that's not funny. Delicious young baby. Okay, so if you have a good credit report, yeah, you could buy a house. That credit report, by the way, goes way beyond just the house, right? It goes buying cars. If you have two people, two 18-year-old kids, one buys a car at 9% interest and one buys a car at 4% interest, who do you think is going to get further in life? That's why I don't think you should let your kids mess up their credit. Um, and if you can't talk to your kids about credit, holy mackerel, why did you have a child? I know you're saying, well, I want to talk to my kids about being good citizens of the planet. <laughs> I don't want to talk to my kids about credit. We differ. Um... Next, do you have enough money for the down payment and the closing costs? Because those are never cheap. And it always freaks me out when that final bill comes. Like, oh, I just bought a house. And, oh, wait, this is this closing statement. What's this extra $2,500? $2, what? 
and there's like a recording fee and a title fee and a transfer fee, 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 FIFO, fun. It ain't cheap. And for some people who are making $60,000 a year, when you suddenly are like seeing, you know, an extra $3,000 tagged onto the transaction, you're like, that's a lot of money. So you have to have a lot of money before. You have to have a lot of liquid money that you feel comfortable partying with because it's going to take a lot of stuff to fill that house with, with uh, couches and such. Have you pre-qualified for a mortgage? Do you even know if you're going to get the house that you want? Are you going to have a mortgage that's the right amount? That's where someone like Tony at Bay Area Loan Source comes in, where he'll look at your income. And you know, like a lot of people don't realize, <clears throat> this is crazy. When he he tells me some of the stories, that they'll look at he'll look at your credit information. He's like, you got to lean against your house. And I'm like, no, we don't. No, you have a lien against your house. You got a divorce a couple of years ago and someone didn't pay a bill and you got to go and get it pre-qualified. It helps enormously. Will your existing debt reduce your ability to qualify for a mortgage? Do you have too much debt? Are you juggling too much? I've juggled more in the last few years. Life gets expensive when you have kids. Life gets expensive when you, when you, you act like an adult. You know, a season of soccer is like $800. That's not even talking about the cleats and the shin guards. And then the dog eats the shin guards and, oh, Hulk smash, right? It makes you angry. But you got to make sure that you don't have too much debt. I don't carry credit card debt. I don't think it's the devil. I just don't want it. I, I think it's when you're paying 18, 25% on credit card debt and you're not getting 18, 25% raise, whatever you just bought. Let's so say you buy a $100 burrito and you have to pay 18 to 25% on that burrito. It's too much. You didn't really buy a $100 burrito. You bought a $118 burrito. So you can't have too much debt, too much car debt, too much student loan debt. Um, if it does, your credit to debt ratio, you're not going to qualify for the mortgage you think you are. And finally, is the amount that you can borrow enough to enable you to buy a home that you would truly enjoy? Homes are meant to be enjoyed. You're not supposed to be angry at your house. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, life is meant to be enjoyed. You're not supposed to be angry all the time. To help facilitate that, you should be able to talk to your partner. Worst relationships I see are people who can't talk to each other. People who are afraid to talk about money. People who are afraid to talk about debt. So one of the reasons I say start the relationship with the incredibly sexy and promiscuous phrase, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. And I'm not talking about your tattoos or your, your skin or anything like that. I'm talking about your, your credit and your debt. And you'll see a lot on that. You'll see your jobs. If you go to annualcreditreport.com, you get a free credit report every year from one of the three credit bureaus, so you can get three free credit reports a year. Every four months, like clockwork, I check my credit. What I found out a couple of years ago, some jack monkey was using my identity and going to car dealerships and test driving cars. And uh, when you do that, they run a credit report on you. Dun, dun. Um, so I, I think that's all good stuff. And really out of all those questions, you got to answer most of them that you want it and that you could do it and that you can afford it. And that's not that big of a problem. Um, in the end, you don't have to love the house that you buy. You could buy a condo. Good friend of mine, not a good friend, a good listener of mine. We'll call her Gabby. Uh, she sat there for years and years and years and years and years. She probably wasted 10 years of watching home prices go up. She's like, they're going up too much. I can't afford it. I'm like, just get a condo. I don't like condos usually because you have condo association fees forever. You'll never truly own that place. And they'll raise the condo fees 
you know how you like your mortgage stays static? Those condo fees, woohoo! Those homeowner fees will eat you alive like a shark. Arr. But yeah, so she finally bought a condo. She didn't want to. She had a housewarming party. It was nice. And uh, a couple years later, she sold it and bought a single family home that she wanted. Good for her. But I tend not to like condos in the rest of America. I tend to like condos in really super expensive areas like the Bay Area, New York City, Chicago. It's, it, it could be a first-time home. It can be. I, I, I get that. In the rest of America, like if you go to Sacramento, there's too many condos. There's too much land. You know, every time I go to Lake Tahoe, I, I have to drive through Sacramento. And I hear they're changing the name to Sacramento, sponsored by Pinto Beans. Um. Every time I go through, I, I, it, it's not lost on me. There's nothing but land there. And, you know, the areas the areas that I want to buy homes, I'll always will ask the realtors. Like, if you want to buy in the Bay Area, where do the San Jose Sharks live? Where do the Golden State Warriors live? Where do the Sacramento Kings live? Where, do the, the, where are the nicer neighborhoods? I'll buy a nice neighborhood for sure because it makes me happy. And real estate and homes are supposed to make you happy, but... Condos, when you look around and see land, like condos in Phoenix, no, 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 no. Condos in, in Vegas, no, 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 no. There's nothing but land. So be cautious on that. And again, I'm just your big brother trying to give you advice. I'm maybe your drunk uncle at Christmas. Give me a scotch. Scotchy scotch scotch. I don't know. I'm not much a scotch drinker. But anyway, it's an idea. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. The writing is on the wall. It's written in green today. Broad-based gains are being seen on stock monitors across the floors. It's kind of fun. The Fed's going to be cutting the target range for the Fed fund rate soon is the expectation based on a jobs number that wasn't great and a downward revision to last month's jobs numbers. There's not a lot of wage inflation evidenced by the 3.1% year-over-year increase in average hours, earnings growth. That's not much. It's it's very Goldilocksian. You know, we talked about Goldilocks and the, the chick who broke into the bear's house and vandalized it and broke stuff. She'd go to jail if it wasn't a fairy tale. 10 of 11 sectors are up today. That's broad-based. That's just saying, okay, we feel the old U.S. economy is going to benefit Paying less on our credit cards, paying less to buy cars, paying less to borrow money to build buildings. That's the thought. So the S&P 500 is up 4.3% for the week. I was getting gloomy last week. Trump and his you know, tariff man, tariff man stuff was just was starting to wear on me. And then what a week, what a, a difference a week makes, correct? Anyhow, what else is up there? There's a company called PagerDuty. It's been one of the strongest IPOs this year. I know you're saying, I want to talk about Beyond Meat. It's been the strongest. Um, take a look at it and learn. What they do is it's cloud-based platform harnesses, digital signals from any kind of device, sends that data to human teams, and then orchestrates appropriate responses to resolve problems that arise during digital transactions. Like This wasn't even a business 10 years ago, right? Maybe even five years ago. If a consumer is trying to make a purchase through their mobile phone and proceeds to the checkout function, but is unable to complete the transaction because it times out, this company's software analyzes the cause and sends the data to the appropriate response team. It's pretty cool. So it's called PagerDuty. It's a company that I'm just starting to look into. The ongoing digital transformation in our lives 
for retailers. If you've not been to a retailer, do you want a receipt? Do you not want a receipt? Like, whoa. Uh, do you want us to email you the receipt? Yeah. I don't want to be in the business of selling receipt paper, if you know what I'm saying. Even though it's still a good business, they've had to expand into selling like styrofoam containers. Whoops, don't buy styrofoam containers. California says, no, no. But you get the idea that you have to be careful about some of the businesses you get into and some of the businesses that destroy other businesses. The trend towards digital commerce, not new. It's not like I'm, I'm dropping a bomb on you. Did you know that you could pay with your phone? The incident management aspect of digital commerce is an up-and-coming field. The company believes that it has only penetrated about 1% of the $25 billion addressable market. That's a pretty bullish dynamic. You should be able to make money off an IPO like this. If they take that money that they get from going public and say, we're going to build a bigger team. You kind of want to pay attention to the salaries of the chairmen and the you know stock compensations and issues like that because if you're going to invest in it, you you want to make sure you're not you know letting how shall we say the management fleece the company. The company has a convenient self serve model. The main focus behind the robust growth is its customer base. This quarter, it added 468 new net customers for a total of 11,680. That's good growth. It's also launching new products and adding new features. I could see a day where this company gets acquired. Maybe it's a Visa. Maybe it's a MasterCard and American Express. Maybe it's someone like a Venmo. Company's scratching the surface as the digital transformation continues. Um, just stop and think for a second. A little history of you. Do you remember writing checks? I don't write checks anymore. And when I do, it feels weird. Do you remember visiting ATM machines? I don't visit ATM machines anymore. And when I do, it's like, this is dirty money. This is gross. People have touched this before. So the stock's expensive. But again, maybe you like IPOs. I tend to have standards. And back in the day, I would say, I want to marry a woman who's got 32 teeth. I want to marry a woman who's got a college degree. I want, like I, Those were some of my standards for what my life partner should be. You should have standards, too, when it comes to investments that go inside your portfolio. You may say, like, I want a company that's not evil. And you may look at Amazon and say, they don't pay people enough, and they're going to replace all those people with robots. And he's probably building a Darth, uh, uh, Death Star behind the moon. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if in the middle of the night, Jeff Bezos gets in like, Darth Vader costumes and just goes around town? Okay, maybe not. But one of my standards is I can't really buy a company until it's been one year old. I know you're saying, really? I try not to. You make some exceptions on occasion. When Facebook went from 42 to 28, I got some. It went lower. And I felt like, uh-oh, I got in too soon. But then it goes from 28 to 100, 150. So I broke my own rule. There's another IPO right now called Zoom Media. And I'm looking at it because I want to know more about the up-and-coming technologies and what side to be on. Like the company I just told you about, PagerDirect. Digital transaction and finishing the deal, it's important because I've been at the checkout before and tried to pay with my uh, uh, you know, my iPhone. And every time the software update comes out, it delinks all my cards. It makes Hulk angry. So Zoom Video, ticker symbol ZM, made its IPO in April of this year. They provide a very easy-to-use cloud-based video conferencing service called Zoom Meetings. It enables face-to-face -face video communications for thousands of people in a single meeting across different devices and locations. That's one of the big things in, in corporate America right now. Why don't you work from home so we don't have to give you an office here? It's great for companies who hold video meetings and uh, employees at different locations or on the road. 
Learn more about me at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.